It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who in light, light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. No shadows, no shadows in sight. It's spring. Today is March twenty-second, two thousand. And five. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Spring, damn it! So why do I feel like I'm in a persistent vegetative state? A persistent vegetative state. A persistent vegetative state. Or could it be that I live within, inside a persistent vegetative state, and the fate of that state is in the hands of men who talk to God? Who possess weapons of mass destruction, destruction? Messianic males who rule a nuclear nation believe they are above the law. Who have forgotten, totally forgotten, that their job description, that of public servant. We have a servant problem, folks. Oh, their exit strategy in Iraq leads directly through Iran. Uh, let's see. Now they got another solution on my list. Another solution to the perceived uh, energy or oil crisis. Well, yes, they will eventually destroy the pristine wilderness of the Arctic. For some reason or another, that hurts the most. I cannot say exactly why. It's just that, as someone once said, I think it was George Carlin. He once said there will be peace on Earth. Sooner or later, but whether we are around to enjoy it, well, that is another question. The Earth will rise up. The Earth will get herself together. She's doing so already. Did I hear on I think World Watch something the other day? They said that the human population is doubling every forty-one years. I I think they said it might level off in the middle of the century a bit, but. Let's see. From the time of Christ until the 17th century, it took that long for the human species to double its numbers, double once. In my lifetime, that is since 1933, the human population has tripled. I was born into a world of two billion souls. We now have six, six and what is it? Six and a half, six and a third billion. Uh, it boggles the mind. It boggles the mind. Uh, never mind. I've been trying this week, yes, to remember my mantra, which is mind over media. Yes, let us fly away to where the press does not depress us every day. Try to keep mind on、uh, the positive. Yes, accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, and don't mess with Mister In Between. <laughs> I thought I would, <laughs> you know. Just go to the woods 
and look at what's left of the trees, but I can't get away from it. I just can't get away from this howling, this, uh, what is it, this national argument, the buzz, the chattering classes. Over and over again, I hear the blame game, uh, you know, the crapshoot, uh, who's winning, who's losing. Of course, folks, it all depends on the dealer. The issue is not who is right or wrong. We know that. Uh, even the people who uh, are wrong know all about that. Uh, they perhaps don't care. They assume that the rapture will take care of things. But our problem, you know, our issue on the left, the question on the table before us is who decides and who can change the outcome. <laughs> I looked at poor Ted Kennedy there on C-SPAN, doddering away, I don't think Ted Kennedy or Hillary or the two or three remaining Democrats can save us. Uh, the question before us is, uh, do we want these neocons gambling with the fate of the state? Or even with the fate of Terry Schiavo, whatever, that all depends. Yes, it all depends, folks, on where you're at, you see. I see it all as the king thing, consolidating power at the top, you know. Let's get rid of all that nonsense about uh, the balance of powers, the three branches of government. Uh, you know, that just slows down the process. Uh, my question is always, is there anyone... Uh, to stop these neocons. I turned on Air America. Yes, that's left-wing wine in a right-wing bottle. They are trying to do something interesting. If you have listened to Air America, I wish you would write and tell me what you think. I had a little trouble. Well, I had a bad time. The relentless commercials, that sort of thing. I'm afraid that the style uh, is hard to take. Is it Alfred North Whitehead who said style is the ultimate morality? Sounds a little highfalutin, but I don't know if uh, ranting is what will save us, uh, what will change the direction. I assume that the people will change the direction when they're damn good and ready. In any case, this month, uh, I tried to get away from the, the madness, uh, the distractions everywhere. I dug into my files. Uh, I wanted to find something for Women's History Month. I was searching for some kind of synthesis, some kind of uh, progress report, you know. Uh, March is Women's Month. You know, we get a whole month to talk about our issues as if they were any different than the issues facing the earth. That is one thing we figured out over the last couple of decades, yes. That the issues facing women are the issues facing mankind. Oh, oh, oh. I found a lot of spins on the Third Reich. <laughs> yes, today I'm going to go see that movie, Downfall, the one about the last ten days in the bunker. I don't think it has much to teach us. It's probably uh, just another, uh, uh, what is it, dramatic evocation. But the great Bruno Gantz is in that movie. Uh, we do seem to want to... Uh, watch these things. What is our sadistic impulse? Uh, the last ten days of Hitler in the bunker with Himmler and, you know, mostly Goebbels, uh, the children, the death of 
of Joseph Goebbels' children. His wife gives them, I think, poison candy, but human beings are still fascinated by psychopaths, you know, it's some kind of opera of evil, you know, when power is combined with infinite sadism. There's an absolute, there's no ambiguity, no duality. Uh or is there? Can even Adolf Hitler be human? Can these neocons be just like everyone else, only more so? And who is it that goes along with the program? Remember all those good Germans? You remember them? I remember there was one couple, uh, a village mayor and his wife, they insisted that they did not know. They had not known what was happening. And they went home and committed suicide. I imagine they probably were technically innocent. Uh, they hadn't known. I don't think there's anyone left on the planet who can make that claim today. Uh, so obviously, someone is going along with the program, the visions, the ideas, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the fight for freedom, yes. I don't know. Maybe the Germans learned something after World War II. I, I have a footnote here. I just love it. In today's Germany, I have heard there is a movement going down to empower children, those under 18, to do this by giving their mothers a vote. Uh, yes, that makes perfect sense to me. The minute you get pregnant, you get two votes. Now, I wonder what the Bush administration would make of that. Yes. Every woman and every fetus gets a vote. That would box the compass. And while you're at it, I believe that women, uh, for each child, they should have twice the salary, yes. You get um, a salary for yourself and then an additional salary uh, in the same amount for each child. <laughs> that That would put an end to all this nonsense. In any case... Today, I think it might be fun to go back. I want to go right back historically. Uh, I don't talk about the Nazis yet. Not yet. No, no. Uh, I want to go right back to International Women's Day, 8th March, 1984. And I want to just pull this out and see what was Jennifer writing or thinking. Uh, after all, it's International Women's Day, and I do qualify uh, biologically. I am a female, more or less. March 8th, 1984. My God, 21 years ago. This is something I pull out of the grassroots newspaper. Let's see. It says, aha, she's being facetious. She's trying to be funny. This year on International Women's Day... All three television networks, PBS and most radio stations, will devote 24 hours to women's programming. There will be no power struggles of any kind, no war, no rape, no violence, either psychic or physical, no child abuse, and no wet toilet seats. Everyone will sacrifice to the great goddess, libations only. No animals, no bloody sacrifice, yes. They will dance a lot and get cheerfully drunk. Of course, this can only be allowed on one day of the year, as it would otherwise constitute a serious threat to the status quo, yes. <laughs> I imagine 
If such a thing even happened for 24 hours, the world would come to an end. Yes, we would have no high school shootings, no nothing. Uh, oh, God help us, yes, another berserker. Uh, up there in Minnesota, where you'd think things would be calm. Anyway, I interrupt myself here, back to 1984. All joking towards one side, what do women really want for International Women's Day? This morning, over coffee in the cafe, I asked my pal, Sally Sleepwell. She said she's sure this will be the last International Anything Day if women don't put an end to the escalating violence among nation-states. Terrorism at the top. State terrorism, yes. Beatific, little Beatrice said, well, they're sure trying. They're trying in England, in Africa, in Central and South America, anywhere you look. Uh, Beatrice is a member of Jewish Women for a Secular Middle East. I wish her luck. Damn right, I said, and getting shot down, run over, or laughed at, yes, uh, a entered the conversation. A, that would be Adele, my old friend Adele, entered the conversation at this point. Adele is an academic. She didn't, she said, disapprove of the efforts of women's groups to save the world. She doesn't disapprove of anything. She simply doesn't want to be identified as a feminist. She feels it is a limiting term rather than a liberating one. Now, Adele does disapprove of labels. If you have a label, she said, then people know who you are. If anyone wants to know who she is, they must have two hours to spare while she explains it all to them. I see, I said. That's as if you were to say you're against slavery, but you don't want to be called an abolitionist. Oh, no, she said. That is not what I meant. That is not what I meant at all. Next, gentle Grace says, Well, yes, it did make her sad to see so many women just out to get a piece of the action, just being materialists rather than trying to change the action. That wasn't her vision her idea of feminism, she's into beauty, you know. She'd rather be right than president, that sort of thing. Right, said radical Rebecca. What we've got to do is we've got to get our rights, she said. Influence was a waste of time. What we've got to do is castrate some of these MFs words I cannot use on the air. Needless to say, Rebecca is not referring to male feminists. The only male at the table leaned over to give her a big, warm hug. But she split at this point. Oh, we wrung our hands a bit and we talked about her problems, about her battering husband until we got all depressed and down. Our token male bought us another round of cappuccinos, and he said, Well, maybe it is time for more men to get actively involved 
in the women's movement. Could be. They used to do that sort of thing once upon a time back in 1853. William Lloyd Garrison wrote about uh, what he called the intelligent wickedness of men, that is males. William Lloyd Garrison wrote, I believe in sin, therefore in a sinner, in theft, therefore in a thief, in slavery, therefore in a slaveholder, in wrong, therefore in a wrongdoer. And unless the men of this nation are made by women to see that they have been guilty of usurpation and cruel usurpation, I believe very little progress will be made. <laughs> End of quote. Yes, right on, William Lloyd Garrison. He was cool, dude. There were some others. I remember reading back in the Black Scholar many years ago in the early 80s. Uh, the Black Scholar, right. Uh, the author writes, It was no easy thing for a male to espouse women's rights in the 19th century. Aha, uh -huh. he's writing about the the fact that uh, uh, Frederick Douglass, the great Frederick Douglass, stood up at the uh, Seneca Falls Conference and he stood with the women. God bless him. Yes, it was no easy thing for a male to espouse woman's rights in the 19th century. Those who did so risked being labeled Aunt Nancy men or worse. <laughs> that would be that would be Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, girly men. Excuse me, I'm updating my copy here. Yes. Back in 1984, yes. The New York Herald described one convention of the Equal Rights Association, that's in the 19th century, as being composed of long-haired men, apostles of some inexplicable emotion or sensation, women wearing bloomer dresses to show their ankles and their independence, women who hate their husbands and fathers, and hateful women wanting husbands, Altogether, the most long-necked, grim-faced, dyspeptic, puritanical, nasal-twinged agglomeration of isms ever assembled, unquote. <laughs> Who was my favorite 19th century critic? Um, trying to think if it was Nathaniel Hawthorne. He had dreadful things to say about women writers. Uh, there was another fellow, just a political fellow. He described woman, yes, as a constipated biped with a backache. That's not too far off base. <laughs> where, oh where, are our long-haired apostles today? Especially, yes, in 1984, Bill Moyers was the best we had, yes. In this article, I write a great deal about Bill Moyers' show on abortion. At that time, Bill Moyers tried to illustrate by the use of... Um, some people from Planned Parenthood, that if you outlaw half the nation, the laws will cease to mean much. Uh, it was the best media plea for a woman's right to reproductive freedom during that entire decade, the decade of the 80s. The trouble is, Bill Moyers is so sane, so grounded, no one even knows he's a feminist. He's like this token male sitting at our table. No one knows He's too cool to wear buttons or T-shirts. Hell, so are most of us. Uh, 
We've arrived at a curious place, um, something in our social awareness. The fact is that these days, any male with brains is a feminist. But the other fact is that these days, like any female with brains, he's too smart to say so. Now, I'll be damned. I wrote that in 1984. If you think anything has changed, look again. Look again. Look again. I find it hard to believe that um, in the last two decades, the women's movement has, what do you call that, stalled. We've integrated a lot of the economic gains, no question about it. But um, psychologically, emotionally, try to keep in mind, folks, that we still don't have the Equal Rights Amendment um, our Constitution does not give women equal rights under law. Isn't that interesting uh, that that's still hanging out there? Uh, I wonder, I wonder, um, after World War II in Germany, Hitler decided to, uh, you know, take up the cry uh, in the formation of Nazi Germany he wanted to wipe out the gains made by feminists uh, after World War I. You remember in the Weimar Republic, uh, women did quite well. Uh, I, I don't know. It's so interesting. You know, guys who engineer ideologies, uh, they are sharp as the slavers, the slaveholders who preached racial inferiority to justify their practice of chattel slavery. You remember, you make up a reason after the fact. <laughs> Take Wilhelm II of Germany, please. Yes, take Wilhelm. Wilhelm's the one who defined woman's responsibility within the state as children, kitchen, and church. That's like the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan, the three Ks that are used to terrorize women, keep them in line. Achtung, Hitler, yes. What he did, let's see here, this is Gloria Steinem writing in... October 1980, she wrote something called The Nazi Connection, all that. 25 years ago, quarter of a century ago, Gloria Steinem pinned it down. She writes, women had, quote, achieved the vote in 1918 as part of the Weimar Constitution that followed World War I. By 26, 1926, moderate feminists had elected 32 women deputies to the Reichstag. The National Parliamentary Body um, symbolized this brief flowering of democracy, just as the great German novelists and the Bauhaus came to symbolize the between-the-war flowering of literature and art. Yes, yes, we had a little time there. We had some time, even during, well, I don't know, as the Clinton administration was a renaissance. Anyway, in the same era, that is to say, in the late 20s, early 30s, there were only 15 women members of the British Parliament. And women in the Congress of the United States had reached a total number of three. That's one, two, three. Okay, now if you think things resemble the uh, Weimar Republic, the fall of... You may be on to something. Now, we have the defeat of the ERA, the Family Protection Act put into force, human life amendments, all those came up in the 80s. You know, I date it from Ronald Reagan. Uh, 
Anything to make the world safe for male supremacy once more. Gloria Steinem goes on to write, Radical German feminists had also begun to organize against the protective legislation that kept women out of many jobs. They worked towards such international goals as pacifism. German families uh, had become much smaller. Married women had gained the right to their own salaries. <laughs> right. And as I said before, imagine if women had the same uh, vote that could vote for their children. A woman with, say, four children would have five votes. Count it up, folks. Precisely because such changes were both obvious, this is Gloria Steinem going on, these changes were obvious in daily lifestyles and profound. They were often resented by those who longed for the hierarchical, undefeated days before the war. Footnote here, do you remember George Bush uh, Sr., George Bush I, saying we have kicked the Vietnam syndrome, yes, got our balls back. Steinem goes on to say, as unemployment and inflation grew worse, women in the German workforce were scapegoated along with Marxists and Jews. The Weimar Republic began to ban married women from competing with men for government jobs and to restrict access to contraception. Hitler explained in his book Mein Kampf, another footnote, it's being published in Turkey, folks, selling like hotcakes. Hitler explained that the right of personal freedom recedes before the duty to preserve the race. <laughs> Any of this begin to sound like the moron majority? Abortion subverts patriarchy. If women seize the means of reproduction, they seize the world. You know, the one who has the baby has the ball. Uh, okay, Nazi leaders would not deprive women of the vote, they said. But they ridiculed feminists. They ridiculed liberals and socialists who were uh, masculinizing women by treating them the same as men. Their own answer to women was equivalent but not the same. Anyone remember separate but equal? Yes, the phrase used to deny black Americans civil and human rights. Okay. I have a lot more stuff here about the fear of the female proletariat. Uh, that doesn't really get on the front pages today, but of course it underlies everything. As you know, uh, affirmative action actually, actually in numbers supported uh, women's job rights. Uh, race is sometimes used to cover up that fact. Uh, you remember Reagan. Um, I think of Reagan as a kind of... He reminds me of Mort Saul. Mort Saul, a woman's place is in the stove, you know. Reagan made jokes about that sort of thing. Uh, but in that era, you know, he, he's the World War II mentality. I think, oh, John John Wayne, he said, oh, yes, it's so sad when women have to work. Uh, sometimes I agree with him. <laughs> yes, let, let them go back to their jobs as wives or whores or mothers or mistresses. Might be less stressful sometimes. Uh, anyway, the real threat of the female proletariat, uh, this is something we're not willing to discuss, at least not uh, in our public discourse. Uh, Today, women must be rendered impotent, even while still functioning in our labor force. 
Capital systems demand that women be part of the system of corporate feudalism in which we live today. Few women can afford to remain at home, even if they should wish to do so. History has played us a neat trick. Women are expected today to have a home and leave it too. It's called the superwoman bind. Now, I was writing this a quarter of a century ago, and I want to go on with it next week. I think it's time for us to get down to plain old grassroots feminism again. I know sometimes it causes people to yawn, but it's time to look at the facts again, folks. Uh, <laughs> ask your mother, yes. Ask your mother. I'm going to go now and see this wonderful new movie downfall all about Hitler's last 10 days in the bunker. And I hope it doesn't turn uh, even Adolf Hitler into someone the least bit interesting. I don't know why we're fascinated with evil. Or maybe, perhaps, I do. I'll be back on the air Thursday morning at 8.20. Until then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. You are invited to enjoy exquisite Middle Eastern music and benefit Palestinian children's education at the same time. The Friends of Deribsia present their third annual benefit concert featuring the renowned George Lamam Ensemble, performing classical and popular Arabic music at La Pena Cultural Center, 3105 Shattuck Avenue, Berkeley, on Saturday, March 26 at 8 p.m. Admission is $20. Proceeds provide scholarships for youth in the West Bank village of Deribsia. For information, call 415-567-1699.